Hi, hello. Thank you for listening to From the Friar. A tiny bit late this week because Leon had a conference, but we are here and cannot wait to break down one of the best episodes in Sister Wives history. I'll definitely agree and echo that this episode, I don't know if it's greatest of all time list or tier, but it was very good. It was, well, I was going to say it was real, but Christine's acting was killing me. Other folks have mentioned this too, that it's, it's too thick at this point. You're, the, the act is, is wearing a little bit. I know what she's trying to do and... I mean, it's needed for the show. Don't we complain about it on Married at First Sight like every season? Like, why is someone always in someone's business? Like, let things play out. But you know that someone has to be that person on the show. And Christine is that person right now. A few things here. There is a devil's advocate side. Whereas if Christine wasn't doing this, like you just said, who else is really going to do that? Nobody. No. And the kids aren't going to randomly open up. In some ways, yes, we're bitching, but then without Christine, this could be a very boring season. And we're actually getting information now. Anytime we get the insider's look to what's really going on, I love it. Because I I appreciate now that we're so far removed from selling this family as anything as a complete unit. I think is the more honest story than what we were told in all these previous seasons. One thing I want to touch on really fast before we deep dive the episode is Gwen not attending the wedding. Now, I know everyone's very over this, but I feel like we should touch on it just because we talked about it last week. Her reasoning officially was that she's in the middle of moving. She's stressed out and overwhelmed with her OCHEM class, organic chemistry. Now, I know it's a very overwhelming class, but not enough to miss a wedding. I'm sorry. Like, not for me. I know everyone has their own stress levels and their own thresholds for everything. And honestly, my opinion doesn't matter. If if you are stressed, you are stressed. Dude, who am I to say it's not correct? But in my head, it just, there were ways to make it work. Something just dawned on me. For the most part, when someone's parents are married, bigger percentage, you usually don't get to see your parents' marriage. Mm -hmm. So isn't it interesting that, yes, this is your mom's second marriage, but Mm, this is also, well, first (laughs) uh, by law, first true marriage. It is interesting that I get it that life is, there's a lot going on in life, but you have this possibly one chance to ever see your mom get married. Yeah. And And after everything. It would take, personally, it would take a lot for me to miss that. Same. Unless it asterisk, unless I actually hated the dude, I'd be like, fuck this wedding. I'm not going to go to this wedding. Yeah. I don't know if that's what Gwen thinks, but I'm not really buying her reasoning. It's as far as I know, it's true, but I don't agree with it. Me either. And something me and you talked about during our wedding was we loved looking and interacting and talking with people all night because we realized that this is the only time any of these people will be in the same room ever. Like we would... That's the one thing we always did at our wedding. It's like we were thinking, make sure to talk to everyone, make sure to get pictures of everyone. Like this is like it's not going to happen again. And so it's so heartbreaking to see like all of her siblings there and Janelle and her mom and, you know, the blending of two families. And then 
only one person is missing. Now, is it right to put that level of pressure on her? No. So we're leaving it at that, but it just bums me out for the rest of the family as well. The other thing there is that this family's so big, no matter what date you choose, more than likely someone is not going to be able to make it. It just so happens that this moment in time, it happened to fall on Gwen. Also, another part, I always feel like if you have a Patreon or you're also kind of opening yourself up and opening your family up, like it gets a little bit more of like criticism, if that makes sense. If one of the older kids that we never hear from didn't go, I don't know if now we would talk as much. <laughs> what, what am I saying? Of course. <laughs> we would talk as much, but we wouldn't expect them to bring up a reasoning. Now on to the episode. I'll do kind of what I did last week and we'll group all the scenes together, even though we kind of switched around just because in my head it makes more sense. Because the note taking is wild these days with how many scene switching we're doing. I get what production is trying to do. There's two moments going on. And as these moments are playing out on our TVs, they want the commentary from the other cast members. It just so happens that at least from someone that has a podcast or is trying to take notes, it's really <laughs> awkward to be switching between scenes so much that you're trying to organize the pieces in your head or on paper or on a computer, what have you. So yes, that does get annoying versus seeing the entire story play out in one sequence. Poor Leon. He, he's the uh, controller. I'm holder. the rewinder. <laughs> I'll rewind some more. Pause. I, I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I have to watch that again. Who said that? What was the quote? And you're like, I have no idea what they said. <laughs> I, when we're watching, it is, what is it? A 42 minute show. Oh, Our, it's us, way it's longer. Hour and a half. Yeah. I need all the deets. I need the quotes. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Sometimes I will rewatch the episode just so I can get one full flow exactly. of a watch through. So we start off at Garrison's house. Christine is coming over to cook for Janelle and her kids. Christine wants to create a space for them to talk. And it was immediately from the jump, producer driven, very set up. But hey, I love the details, so I'm not going to trash talk it too much. Have you ever done a salad bar for dinner? No, the salad's already made. If you don't like it, or you don't like what's in it, don't eat it. I've never made a salad bar. But I didn't, I couldn't really tell what the whole meal was, but there was an instant pot out and then there was something on the stove. So was it like a pasta bar, salad bar sitch? I wonder if they just didn't sell it to us the right way because from the scenes that were shot, we just see the traditional salad stuff come out and you're thinking, what is the cooking that is going on in this scene? <laughs> I, uh, there was almost an overwhelming amount of toppings. I'm such a boring eater. You are. <laughs> like, give me a basic Caesar salad and I'm cool. I don't need tomatoes, crazy toppings, extra. I don't need the extra cheese, like all this extra stuff. But olives, like there's so much, even Olive Garden, I will pick at the stuff I don't like and <laughs> just, give it, it on my I just give it to Ellie. Like, hey, you want this olive? Do you want this tomato? Let me have the pepperoni. Did you notice Janelle came and brought Savannah, but then had to immediately leave to get a different pie? I did not catch that. So I don't know why she didn't just let Savannah come in and bring her healthy pies, her healthy dessert, and sure. then just go. I don't know. It was, I need efficiency. 
when we have multiple things going on, I'm always like planning routes. So that drove me crazy. So Cody and Robin arriving in two separate cars. Oh, so inefficient. It is, it's almost literally killing us inside. <laughs> the spiciness starts pretty quickly in this episode. Christina and Savannah are prepping salad toppings. And Savannah reveals that she sees Brianna every day at school and they do not talk. I have a question. Hmm. Do you think this now it's a show, so it's really not a natural conversation, but do you imagine Christine and Savannah talking like this or his production saying you need to ask the following question or we would like you to ask the following questions? They are not talking like this. No. Okay. I could see them having a conversation like this without the cameras. Like when, for example, when they were building the Christmas tree. Sure. But it just felt so unnatural because of Christine's like reactions. Like Savannah was very like what a kind of like shy teenager would be. But why this episode is getting so much favor is that there is again, I think we've talked about this at nauseum. There is so much honesty in this episode and that is all we want. Now, the moment Savannah mentions that her and Brianna essentially not avoid each other, but they're non-existent just, just to each don't other. Acknowledge each other's presence in school. One that feels a little cringeworthy. Like if I saw that scene play out of them knowing their family members and they kind of just walk by each other and pretend they don't exist. That just seems like cringe. The way I would glare at Brianna every single day. No, I'm no, but it just goes to show we always, you know, the, the, the main, the main folks here are the parents, some of the older kiddos. Savannah really does get left behind, but it's mm-hmm. interesting to see someone that usually doesn't get the spotlight. And we've said before, why is Cody not hanging out with Savannah? She's done nothing wrong, so on and so forth. But even someone like Savannah, who seems like such a kind hearted person, seems like a very welcoming person, honestly, also has a very from what's been described, I mean, a really bad relationship with her sister. With Brianna? Correct. Yes. There, there is not a Which relationship. To me, that was very surprising. Like, me too. I, I did not see that coming at all. I didn't think they saw each other every day. The most glorious scene of this whole episode then comes up. It is Brianna and Aurora on the talking head couch. And it was wild brianna is robin robin is brianna they are the same and gosh the mannerisms the voice the way they talk the language used did you notice where they wear their rings is similar i just think they're an example that you are a product of what you surround yourself with yeah and they just tend to their mom is just either not giving them any space at all so really that's what they know if they learn they're essentially embodying their mom, right? Yeah, and mostly Brianna. A few things. Did you mention to me that they can't do interviews without Robin being there? Well, McKelty, so take that with a grain of salt. Okay, Mc- McKelty said that Robin is always present for her kids' interviews. I could get it, right? You have the underage kids, Brianna's still in school, but Aurora's probably 22, 21? Well, like 20 here. Okay, sure. But still an adult, you can easily drive yourself and go down the do street. <laughs> the reason I hate that is because, you know, their mom is telling them what to say, mm-hmm. what not to say. So already I feel like 
their reality or what they're telling us is their reality might not be truthful because they can't, you, you don't want to go against your mom, right? Well, yeah, and you can't. You would be essentially punished. Right. The way these girls acted on the couch, body language alone was so sad. They looked like the saddest girls. I mean, just like uh, shoulders down, frown, face down. And I was just thinking, like, if you're entering an interview, why is that like yeah, your here's go-to? The thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, one, I, I get that, but we don't know how far the interview has been going or how long it's been going for. But I also noticed that I'm like, wait a minute in my eyes, we just started this interview. How are you already looking so sad? Like that was the way you walked into the room as this is what I'm going to portray. This is how it was rehearsed at home on the couch. Another thing this begs the question, and I don't know if we've seen sneak peeks. You can correct me here if I'm wrong or just unaware. We have seen every kid in that household speak besides Dayton. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. Probably because he actually can tell his mom no and she'll kind of listen because he's a guy. I can see her definitely respecting him more. They probably can't put him in front of a camera because he would be incredibly truthful. I would hope so. And I want to know why he's in the trailer still. Oh, at this point, it's because they don't have room. Like he moved out. They moved a bunch of shit in and like you just can't move back in. I feel like I heard somewhere that they were like trying to give him independence and because he couldn't really follow the COVID rules. But at the same time, like just let him move out. He wanted to move out. He wanted to go to college. Like let him try. I digress. I could go on for that 20 minutes. (laughs) Back with Brianna and Aurora. Brianna said that her and I'm assuming Savannah, she doesn't name her, but she says they're not close because they had a difference in opinion about COVID. They didn't know what to do with each other and they kept their distance. Time out. I am going to guess Savannah followed every single rule the CDC defined for all of us to follow, staying a little bit distance, wearing a mask. And even when kids are going to school, mind you, mind you. They're both going to school at this Thank you. at this time. I was yelling that at the TV. Brianna, you can't say that when you're seeing each other in person in the hallway. And by that point, the schools have a set of rules that you need to or the kids need to adhere to to go to the school. Eh, kind of. <laughs> well, here's the thought. Kind of, kind of. But I would imagine their opinions are fairly similar. I think they're realistically talking through their parents yes no robin is correct yes correct i think their opinions on COVID are fairly similar i agree they're living very similar lives correct correct i would imagine it's really you're just echoing what your parents Mm -hmm. said yeah i i mean every single thing even this saying oh they just had different opinions about COVID. they had different rules they did their own thing That is everything Robin said. Anything in this section that Brianna said is exactly what Robin has said multiple times. And I hate that she's just parroting it in in every single way, in facially, in her reactions. The tears. Or lack of. I'm wondering, you know, I always joke that, oh, there's a little menthol stick on Robin's hands. You know, she always has got to touch those eyes. Notice there was a lot of eye touching with Brianna as well. Maybe she let her in on that secret. Brianna continues on. She is so shocked and confused. And it's like she doesn't care. It broke her heart a little. 
Through tears, she says, I grew up with her. I grew up with all of them. She puts her face in her hands and says, cut. I don't want to cry. A little dramatic. The hands up were, I mean, it was Robin. You could put them right on top of each other. It's the same person. Uh, I don't want to beat on her too much. This is No, because it is a product of Robin. I understand. So I, I don't want to talk too much crap about her. But the what I'm linking, trying to link it to is like, Robin, you're like being way too overbearing. Like your kids shouldn't be acting like this. It's even worse than that because, and honestly, this is probably a side effect of the show because so much of what's going on in their lives is shown. Mm -hmm. These, realistically, these problems should stay between the parents. It should not be between the kids. Completely agree. The fact that... Robin and Cody are weaponizing the children is the problem. It is not the children themselves. And they, as parents, should not have issues with siblings hanging out. There shouldn't be people that are off limits. You shouldn't punish your kids for wanting to talk to their siblings. I'm assuming that's what's going on because later on when Aurora mentions Gabe, that look that Brianna gave her. Like both... Janelle and Robin, if they sat down with their kids and asked, hey, how's your relationship with so-and-so? Because you go to the same school. Mm-hmm. You should encourage, like, you should say hi to her. Yes. You should try to be her friend. That that's, is that's, your sibling. That's your sibling. <laughs> you know, and even if you want to voice it, like, don't let my problems with your dad yes. interfere with other relationships. You should form those relationships. Yeah. It, but completely echoing the parents. I mean, even the way Janelle and at one moment talks about how Oh, they're cordial. And she's like, oh, mm, they don't even say yeah, hi to each other. Yeah, she took I'm that like, back like, real quick. <laughs> you're also, you're losing points for me too because you're also continuing this. You're not, you're not setting the right example. But I don't think, for example, there's anything that Christine or Janelle could do because the wall is up. Sure. In true Mary fashion, the wall is up. We mentioned this before in a previous episode, but one of the most fascinating storylines in the future is going to be the final youngest kids, that triangle between truly Solomon and Ariella, just either how they're embraced by the family, their other relationships, the amount of love or lack of love you get from each individual parent, your father. It's going to be a very fascinating story. And again, to honestly, to protect those kids, I probably don't want that story shown. Yeah. Because it's more than likely going to be fairly sad. Mm hmm. But it is something I've thought about as one of the, I think it would just be a very heavy topic for the show when they get much older. I mean, I'm talking high school years, 18, 19 college and, you know, moving on from there. In my head, when they're like all around 20 years old, they're best friends. They live together. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. In my head, I just hope that they are able to accomplish what we wish was happening with the siblings right now, that regardless of the parents being divorced or still hating each other, that they still have a great time together. You know, what's interesting. Hmm. This dynamic reminds me so much of that John and Kate plus eight documentary watched where some of the kids sided with Kate and some of the kids sided with John and how there's essentially zero communication between the kids. It's so sad. And here we see, two kiddos from the Brown family, different moms basically don't ever communicate. Mm -hmm. Savannah does talk about how she has always had a hard time with her siblings. 
those especially around her age, but more so specifically Robin's kids. And I think that's fascinating. That's so interesting. Oh, has always struggled with her siblings. A few things there is that just look at who's around. It seems like Savannah's just this really interesting gap between kiddos. Yeah. She's got older siblings that are like enough that you, for example, wouldn't go to the same high school. I don't think like Mm -hmm. your older siblings would be done with high school, but you'd just be entering. So it's almost like you're a little separated from them. They're all then, brothers. At right. Least right. The and full then siblings. you're a little too old to sort of have things in common with the younger mm-hmm. students. So you're kind of in this little bubble on your own. So that's already one point, but then yes, Robin's kids, we already know. And even from Gwen, it's like there was a lack of openness or the mm-hmm. ability to form relationships or even hang out in their home and especially imagine at Savannah's age, which is even younger, this child isn't going to, well, I say that, but our nieces and nephews are playing down the street like all the time with friends, <laughs> but it seems like Robin didn't allow that. So how is this young person going to just naturally show up in front of your house and say, I want to play with your kids? Yeah. And Gwen talked about how she was never comfortable at Robin's on the cul-de-sac. She absolutely would not be comfortable or potentially not even allowed to play in Robin's yard, even though Robin's yard was the only one that was done and had a beautiful play structure. Like the kids essentially weren't allowed over. We find out that Savannah and Truly recently spent some time with Cody. They had fun. It was a good time. But Savannah says it's been so long that he's been absent that she doesn't even realize that he's not around. Sad. I just want to shake Cody. Like, you're messing up this beautiful thing you could have. Why? Why are you doing this? To punish Christine, but at the cost of your children? It'll never make sense. The next person to arrive at the house is Gabe. We find out that Gabe and Gwen are officially moving in with Garrison. The reason Truly is not at the dinner is because Christine called Cody and asked him to babysit for her, which... The wording was interesting. Well, I'm sure he calls it babysitting. I hate that. You're parenting. (laughs) But he probably calls it that. Remember, he doesn't watch his kids. He pays a babysitter, what was it, 20 bucks an hour or whatever. Christine talks about how she is preserving Truly's relationship with Cody by moving to Utah. That is a lie. That is not <laughs> that is not the reason or what you thought of, but it is a very good reason to come up with, and I will give it to her. I do kind of see where she's coming from. This was also my mindset. Okay. If you divorce, no divorce, but you're living in the same town and you're dad hasn't visited in five months, that's probably going to sting more than if you were living in a different state. And well, we are, there's a lot of miles between us. I could understand why you're not coming around all the time. Exactly. It provides an excuse. Although frankly, it feels like just from, I know the show they're going there for filming, but I think even in social media posts, it seems like Christine goes down a lot. Yeah, Cody does not come up a lot. So naturally, Truly's coming with you getting to spend time with your dad. I would wonder if the way travel is going is truly seeing Cody more often in this scenario 
than when they were living in Flagstaff. And it's probably true. Yeah. Probably seeing him more, having a better time. He's not rushing out of the house. He's not coming in with bad energy to Christine's house. Like, it's honestly probably way better. Robin has the audacity to sit on the couch and say that through COVID, Cody's relationships have been really, really good with a lot of the children. Christine left and that all changed, she says. Even in prior episodes, we've seen Christine say, don't don't put me as a villain for you ruining all of these relationships. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that Robin lately is feeling a bit more free to say Christine's name and call her out specifically. And she should not because there's a lot that they can say about her name. (laughs) Garrison says, since the last time I talked to dad, I got a house, I enrolled in school, and I got the car he told me not to. We cut to Cody who says he has reached out to Gabe and Garrison uh before christmas and after but they're blocking me no no he hasn't and he probably texted like hi yeah there's nothing to say to that and he's like i have reached out we'll get to their sit down in a moment where they kind of break down this relationship more but i see gabe and garrison try to be tough about this relationship but You know, it really pains them. They were both tearing up on the couch. It's so sad. Before we get into all that, though, Christine asks about the text. This is too much. It was too (laughs) much. She knows. She already knows all of it. She's read it all. (laughs) I'm going to echo what I've heard from other podcasts. I... We all need this text thread. I know. I said I would pay big money for it. I'll go in with other people on it. Anything. I also, like, honestly, just tell me who, show me who actually started it. Because now we're saying Aspen started it. And McKelty says she started it. I don't know. So Gwen explains that Robin wanted the gift exchange over Zoom because Ari is forgetting who her siblings are. I would like to argue that, I mean, how good was the relationship before COVID then? I mean, Ariella was so young. Any child that young that just doesn't see anyone for a decent amount of time, you're going to forget them. Mm, I feel like Robin is the one to blame here. No, I, I hear you. I, and I agree. This is interesting, though, because they mentioned that they responded and said it wasn't as personable. Did that mean they were first planning to get together and doing the gift exchange? I think they wanted to do it together. Which that already counters Robin's point because... Your daughter would have seen all of them then. It would have been... In person. Way better, but you can't get in person because of COVID. No, you can't do it in person because nobody wants to go to Cody's house. Well, I'm sure Robin was using the COVID, not... Because Cody said everyone's welcome there. And he won't He won't go see them anywhere else. I think another issue was that when they were planning this, the plan wasn't to have it at Cody's house. No. No, definitely not. Probably at the rental probably at the rental and you know they were not gonna bring the chicken tenders to that rental house absolutely not also wow mary brilliant wanted to have it at her house a neutral zone would have been great yes yeah, even foreshadowed in the towards the end of the episode where mary mentions that well and again mary that's a little bit of a lie but she mentions i got this house so we can have family get-togethers and events 
I'm like, mm, I, besides some LuLaRoe stuff, I don't know how many family gatherings actually happened at your home. None at Flagstaff. No offense, Mary. And also, Mary, you are a lover of the finer things. You definitely wanted the nice big house. I don't think you would be comfortable in a casita, for example. No. So in the text, Robin was trying to change everything, make it all about her and herself, and said there was a lot of past trauma. Gwen asks, where is the trauma coming from? He prefers you. Back to Robin on the couch. She says that Cody did not choose us. We wanted to be accepted by everyone. We then see a flashback of the birthday party for Robin in, I believe, season one. Robin says that she did not have the support from the other parents, that it eventually got a little bit better, but that when COVID hit, her and her kids were excluded again. This is such a lie. Ma'am, that's a lie. Because you say you didn't have the support all while not allowing them to watch your children and you hired multiple nannies. You couldn't, you always had an excuse on camera of why you couldn't even watch a kid overnight for a weekend. You wouldn't watch them. They weren't allowed to come over. You had a note on your fridge telling these kids who were supposed to call you mom to ask for food before they take it from your house. You're monitoring how much cereal kids eat. Yeah. And they didn't accept you. Another way we can reword this for Robin for it to make sense is, okay, Cody didn't choose you. He just dropped the rest of the family. It is wild. All that Robin side of the family has benefited from, from the Brown family and just mm-hmm. being in this unit. And when you compare where they are in life compared to some of the other kids, especially kids in the similar age group, I mean, they can't live at home. They can't live with their dad. Yeah. Gwen said that Robin was complaining that they don't respect her as a mother. And yeah, they absolutely do not because you're not a mother figure to them. You were never around and you didn't care about them and you didn't care for them. And no, we go back to Aurora and Brianna and Aurora says that before we got on the text chain, we learned that there were some very negative feelings towards us coming from the other siblings. Who, who said that? Why are they telling you that? No. Also, no. that's a lie because none of the siblings even have an issue with them. They more than likely said something negative about either Robin or Cody. Yes, but why is Robin telling her kids they don't like you? They don't want to spend time with you. They don't want to spend the holidays with you. They don't want you to participate in the gift exchange. Why would you say that to your kids? And I get the flashback that Robin during last Thanksgiving, not from the season, but last season, when she sat all of her children, looked them right in the face and said, they don't want to spend the holidays with you. Why would any parent say that? Even if that was the truth. Because it is so important to preserve those relationships and have them make their own choices about those relationships. Robin was so comfortable to even do that on camera when that was not the scenario. I would have lied to my kids. Even if like they, sure, if sure. someone was like, yeah, I'm not trying to hang out with your kids, I would have been like, hey, they're just not going to make it. They really want to go hang out with their other siblings. I mean, it's not a big deal. Like, I would lie. Right, <laughs> even if that was the schedules thing. Schedules are just too weird. It's <laughs> yeah, not going to work. I, would come up with anything other than like making my kids feel bad. Sure. Well, so your natural reaction is to protect your imaginary children. <laughs> yes. 
Whereas Robin, it, honestly, I don't even think Robin thinks like that. That that wasn't even a concept that applied. Whereas I'm going to say this and it's going to negatively impact my kids. But she's lying to her kids. Which is odd. I do like the fact that we have so much evidence. And again, please, in the tell all. Roll not, the tapes. Not, not only <laughs> Cody and Robin, anyone on the show, call them out on their bullshit. It could yeah. be Christine. Like, call oh, them out. Mary's going to be that sniper. Like, just <laughs> fact check people. Mary, be the one. Be like, you guys never call me. Yeah. I'm always, I, when I lived there, I was always available mm-hmm. to you guys. You never contacted me. I invited me. you to come over and bring the kids. Like, I am waiting for that to happen. Brianna says it was very frustrating for me and I felt really hurt and confused. Why is everyone always confused? Gwen says that she sees it getting worse. And Robin said that since she's not respecting her, then they will not participate in Christmas. So she just decided for her kids that they will not be talking to their siblings. Got it. Okay. So I would imagine this was a little bit after... Robin mentioning that, you know, Ariel is forgetting your siblings. I, yeah. I think it was Logan. I think it was Logan that said a Zoom call is not going to help. Oh, no, I believe that was Hunter. Oh, that was Hunter. Yes. Excuse me. So Hunter was like, yeah, a Zoom call is not going to help that. Nope. Whereas, ma'am, we're trying to get together in person to yeah. see everyone. That would be much better for a kid to be able to make a connection face to face. Robin says... All of a sudden, I got like this kickback and attitude from the older kids. And I was like, why am I trying? I felt very defeated. I felt like me and my kids got voted off the Brown family island. No, it's like you and Cody took over the island and everyone else got kicked off. I can see both sides here where from our perspective, like you guys have the big house, the fancy paintings, the stupid Christmas ornaments. (laughs) Apparently you have all this excess money to splurge on things and everyone else is struggling. But then from Robin's side, again, fault of your own or everyone else just not liking you, whatever. But in some ways you probably feel isolated because you see all of these members of the family communicating and having a unit. And really for you, it's just like six of you. So you almost do feel like you're pushed away because everyone else is having this great old time. And you have just such a small team. Let me make this clear. Cody and Robin are a cheap version of the Brown family. Isn't that weird? Isn't that the weirdest thing? Yeah. It's funny because the way Christine and Janelle's post-Christmas Christmas celebration went down, that was more reminiscent of that cabin trip they took I, during the Christmas holidays. Yes, the rental, the everyone getting together. It doesn't matter how many bedrooms there are. We're putting sleeping bags out. We're having a good time. Um, again, unless what we were being sold back then was fake. Well, they're living the fake image that you sold us in the inception of this show. Then Garrison talks about how McKelty then texted the group saying that Robin and her kids were not participating this year. Gabe says that Robin turned it into playing the victim. And we said, no, we're trying to figure out how to do this. With a smirk on his face, Cody says, Robin never made any of the Christmas COVID rules or anything like that. That's not her job. It's my job. Then why is she the one shutting it down? Because you just sat back. You said it yourself. You never engaged in this text, you know, very head of the household man of the family, patriarchy. 
But oh, when you got to, you know, do something. Yeah, I just didn't get involved. Trash. <laughs> do you think at the, okay, at the conclusion of this story, do you think it would be Robin is controlling the COVID protocols or Cody just doesn't want to hang out at the other households? I think both is happening. Hmm. There's okay. truth in both. Okay. And me and you will always argue, is Robin a master manipulator or is this just conveniently it, happening point, and she's so unaware? At this point, I feel like I'm flip-flopping. Like, it could I be, think I'm flip-flopping. It could be anything. She has to know. No one she is this oblivious. To. She has to. And the fact that now that she's getting more brave to talk and say names and say stuff, I remember incidences from season one and two that that does not make sense. So honestly, it's just proving to me. She knows what she's doing. No one can be this oblivious. But sometimes something she says, I'm like, that makes no sense. <laughs> you, you can't be doing that. Garrison, Gabe, and Gwen talk about how Robin likes to make herself the victim, which is so true. That's her goal every single day with this family. Gwen said, because of the past eight years, she has made herself the victim because she was the last wife. Garrison says that she was the catalyst of this all. Using COVID to make dad exclusive and using dad. Garrison said that she is the catalyst of all of this. By using COVID to make dad exclusive, she can no longer be the victim because we gave up. We didn't care about her anymore. Ah, in classic Cody, he says, all of them are just kind of jerks. And I'm tired of it. I don't want to call them. I don't want to talk to them. And that's how I know it's all a lie. When he says he's reaching out, when he tried to talk to Gabe and Garrison, this all, this one thing. No. Now, from my point of view, this doesn't have to be a lie. There, there could be a truth here, whereas around the holiday times, I've reached out. But this talking head might be post six months, post eight months. And at this point in time, when he's watching this back and they still haven't communicated in that that amount of time, he's probably thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm done here. I'm not going to communicate with these guys anymore. But yeah, eight months ago, I tried. Isn't it crazy how Robin's victimhood is so strong that now Cody is just perpetually a victim of his children? Like, why isn't this strong patriarch head of the family? Why is he just always so sad and hurt and they're jerks? Like I asked you last time, I was like, do you think they talk about like, who's the victim today? Like, do you sit down and have that conversation? Do you trade off? Are you both the victim all the time? Like, how does that work? We talked about it last episode. It's so wild that we never see. Okay. We've seen Cody go on a date with Janelle for a birthday thing. We never see Cody and Robin go on a date. Never. What do you, how do you communicate? We what do you talk about? We never see them about? interact. And the few times we did on Christmas, I was grossed out. <laughs> I just think, it, one, it would make for great television, and two, for it being just incredibly awkward, I want to know what they talk about. I want to know if their entire conversations revolve around Christine. They absolutely are. And the jerk children. At kind of the height of this conversation, Garrison says, that's why I'm done with Robin. I'm doing my own thing. Robin is mad that she can't have this effect on our lives anymore. Robin, have him. We don't care. We are all adults that don't need a father figure anymore. And I would argue everyone needs their parents. You'll always need them. Sure. I still call my mom like every single day. <laughs> I mean, even as just a someone to bounce ideas off of or get advice. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, usually that, that would be your parents yeah. as that figure. But again, I think they're trying to be incredibly brave. And I would imagine it really, really hurts them to yeah. go through this. To be rejected by your father. Garrison says that up until Christmas, he was still calling dad for his advice. Gwen says that she misses Aurora. Garrison says that he misses Dayton. Garrison says that he does want to mend his relationships with his siblings, but that he doesn't have the emotional maturity to have a face-to-face conversation with Robin. And honestly, that's good to know about yourself. And that's fine. I love it. (laughs) But now, now... The fact that you say that, I just want to see that interaction. I want to see you be immature and petty so badly. I want you to talk your shit. And then this is where we find out that Gabe talks to Aurora at school. And everyone was pretty shocked by this. They give each other hugs. They tell each other they love each other. And Gwen is shocked. We cut to Aurora on the couch, and she says, me and Gabe have bumped into each other. We give each other hugs, well wishes, I love you, and he has been nothing but kind. And the look that Brianna gave Aurora, like, you messed up. Mm. Like, you're a traitor. Gwen did seem hurt by that, because she said she was really close with Aurora. I see. But are they all going to the same school? Because he even mentions that she's always in a particular building. Yeah, they are at the same school. Ooh, so I can see why that would hurt. I mean, maybe their schedule and passages don't cross at school. Yeah. Like, Gwen's not a science major, to my knowledge, so she wouldn't be in the science building, but still. Gwen says, imagine having a dad that loves you. And sweetheart Savannah pipes up and says, I still think he loves you. Garrison says, all right, that's enough, and cuts her off. How do you feel about that? Because I feel like there was kind of two main camps on this topic. One, Garrison, you were doing a lot of fucking talking. (laughs) Nobody was cutting you off. I didn't appreciate you cutting. Because we're in the kumbaya moment. We're getting our truths out. Who are you to stop someone from getting their truth out? Mm -hmm. I wasn't the biggest fan. I am glad that Janelle stepped in and like, no, let her talk. Mm Mm-hmm. I get the other way of maybe he's trying to protect his little sister as far as maybe you don't want to go down the road that we're already going going down. But the wrath of Cody, I think that little tidbit that Savannah mentions to Christine, although it also did sound like it hurt her as well, where she's saying, I don't even really notice that he's gone Mm because he's just like never around. I think that does hurt her, but it kind of seems like she's already on that path that all the other children are on because Time and time again, your dad's proven that he just doesn't have the same value towards you as he does with the other children. I don't, I can see both sides of this garrison issue. I do think he could have potentially be protecting Savannah. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, she still needs to speak her piece. Everyone else was allowed to. And she's such a sweetheart. She was trying to have like one positive spin on this conversation by being like, I think he still loves you. In complete contrast, We cut to Cody and he says, every shit talk, every trash talk is absolutely reciprocated. And I think the same about them. Sir, these are your children. Oh my God. Clutching my pearls. Like, how could you say that? There is nothing our nieces and nephews could do to make me say these things to them. Nothing. Remember in the previous episode when Cody said that he doesn't, I don't remember if he said fear i don't think that was a word he used but it was something along the lines of he doesn't want to 
let a wife go because he's afraid of what that will, what Robin's opinion will be of him because he's not supporting these women, his wives. But what does it say about Robin when she's supporting a man who thinks this way about his children? And doesn't encourage any growth. She makes things harder. And why is Cody doing nothing? He No red flags. Get those out of his face. He doesn't even want to see them. I just think Cody's character is being shown. I mean, yes, when things are going well, that's fine. You're in his life. But if you don't agree with him, he's probably really quick to take you out of his life. Yeah. The scene ends with Garrison and his talking head. And he says... I wish they knew we would all forgive them if they wanted to come back and participate in the gift exchange with us. If you don't, then we won't chase. So sad. Like how many of these kids need to tear up and like show their whole heart on camera and it still doesn't matter to them. In a completely contrasting state of mind, we go to Parowan with Mary, Jen, and Scott. The remodel is officially on their way and they need to move stuff to storage. Was Scott hired to remodel the house? I don't think so. I think he was more there for lifting and moving stuff and like taking stuff down. So like the actual company could come in and do it. Remember how Jen's family had this whole story. We've talked about it before where they were traveling to a different state. Somehow they stopped in Parowan and they just like stayed there. I think this confirms they live in Parowan, correct? I would imagine so. Yeah. I have this random theory in my mind that Jen and her husband just work for Mary because she says how we always rope them into these projects. And I'm like, okay, is he just your always hired on handyman? Maybe. They were so giggly. Sean wanted none of it. (laughs) He was like, I'm just here to put in my two hours going home. The one thing that did catch my ear is when Mary asked Sean if he was jealous that his wife is friends with the polygamist. Is Mary a polygamist? It is interesting to see Mary's mindset and the issue she's going with with Cody, other sister wives, and, and just you're already in the path of moving away or separating yourself from them in, in some way, but you're ideals are still so strong even in conversation that you still refer to yourself as a polygamist when Mm -hmm. like even even from how your lifestyle should be as a polygamist none of these things are happening you don't have a sister wife she doesn't even communicate with you you have to ask her to stay in contact yeah that's wild to me you don't help take care of their children your husband air fingers does not want to be in a relationship with you. you. You are not maybe in your mindset. You're like, I am a person that lives polygamy, like whether it's with this family or in the future. So you said married to or friends of the polygamist. Okay. I get that. But in the sense of you are not a person in a polygamous relationship. Okay. I just thought of this. So even if she doesn't have a husband and sister wives, she still very much so believes in the faith and the spiritual connection to Cody. So maybe Mm. that's why she says like she is a polygamist. I also think it's interesting when Mary thinks, I think because of the world they live in, in such a tight circle, that conversation is always taboo where I feel like if they were to explore more and I imagine they already have, they would run into, there is a, 
big portion of people out there that don't care if you're a polygamist. They'll just care. Are you happy? Are you hurting people? If it's all totally fine and dandy, most people just do not care. Also, it was finally decriminalized in Utah. When did this happen? Do you remember the year? A year or two ago? Like very recent. Okay, if it was very recent, that would make sense if we see Cody showing up in Utah more because that was the the enemy state. Well, if you remember, he told Christine like, yeah, we should probably move back. Like it would be great. And then he went in front of everyone and was like, we're absolutely not moving. I know it's going to take us some time, but we will keep going through the rewatch. But there is so much good stuff to get through. I was thinking that like at the end of this season that I'll like repost some of those because those episodes are so good. Now, you know, anytime I can see into Robin's house, I'm a happy gal. So it is Avalon's first birthday and McKelty is bringing Avalon to Cody and Robin so that they could celebrate her first birthday. Did you think it was a bit weird that they didn't travel to McKelty's? Yes. Very weird. I, I don't know. Again, I always feel like the responsibility is on the parent, not the kid. But they always say McKelty's, let's just call her Switzerland, but McKelty's doing all the work. Like yes. you're not you're not doing the work to maintain these relationships. It's really McKelty's doing the work. Mm-hmm. But they probably feel like they're doing the work because they like bought all these new decorations. They bought a photo backdrop. They got a ring light. You know what's so interesting with their relationship? Robin and McKelty are so close only because McKelty essentially lived with Robin to get free childcare while her and Cody were courting. But if you just think about that process... That is in some ways, well, really not because you're courting. It's really not a benefit of polygamy. If anything, that was just a weird, it's like a weird child child labor thing there. But this family was able to provide you this benefit, but then you don't take advantage of that. You hire nannies. It was so interesting to me. Yeah. And this is where I kind of go back and forth on Master Manipulator because she saw McKelty was an outcast of the family and she said, I'm gonna, I'm getting in good with this kid. Sure. It was pretty interesting to hear everyone kind of have the same story. Christine said, Robin didn't feel like McKelty was treated well by her siblings and so she took her under her wing. She has been like another mom to McKelty. Cody says, both Christine and I benefited from this relationship with Robin. Weird way to put that where he went with this, but I digress. He continues, she saw McKelty in a way Christine and I hadn't. You know what's wild? Christine doesn't refute this. No, she, her story lined up. Which I think is interesting that we paint this picture of Christine raising all these kids, doing all the mom duties. But we're also getting this story where she wasn't able to help her daughter mm-hmm. uh, blend in with her own family. So I, I find that a bit fascinating there. And that's something that really isn't touched on by other people on the show. I don't feel like it was a reward or a great thing for McKelty to be removed from her family, even if she didn't fit in great, just to be someone's nanny. It feels weird. I'm curious how long that lasted. It must have been, was it just for a summer? 
Maybe. I thought it was a couple months, so maybe it was over summer. Because I feel like the courtship was relatively short. I mean, Robin eventually moved over during the courtship. There was probably a summer there, and then the kids are in school. Well, I felt like she said that she would hang out with the kids after school. So I think it was during oh, the school interesting. year. What is Robin doing? Was she working at this time? I have no idea. What does Robin ever do? Every day, please tell me. Did you notice that Robin was taking all of the photos and always takes all of the photos? Yet another thing she has taken from Mary, who used to be the family photographer. That hurt. I, I don't like it. That hurt. I don't like it. Remember the, the turkey? Yep. Gotta take it all. We can't even let Mary have the turkey. The final scene we see is Christine on her ex-anniversary. She's getting together with her friends and Janelle, and they're all going to Josephine's Bistro. I do appreciate that her friends also pretended to know nothing about their relationship. <laughs> you know, their friends are definitely diehard watchers of the show, possibly keep up on the subreddits. <laughs> I did find it a bit comical how they try to pretend that they didn't know anything that was going on. Yeah, Cons just nothing. And they are relatively new-ish relationships, but I mean, in the divorce timeline, they had to have known. And Christine moved. They knew details. But they did meet through Isabel's graduation. So, pretty recent. A thought just came to mind. Do you remember how that random liner of, I saw a matchmaker has accumulated to nothing oh i know don't even give me that weird paint night with i mean now it's that. been maybe eight plus months since then definitely filler definitely random question again do you are we gonna see david this season maybe we get introduced in like a season cliffhanger maybe okay okay because at this point we're in 2022 yeah there. So we might. I mean, it's coming. Yeah. I mean, it's coming up. It's, we must see him. It's like soon, inevitable because I think it was October 2022 they met, and Mary said that they are doing a full like calendar year catch up. So Wait, I, we might. I was under the impression they've been together for like a year and a half. Ooh, I thought it was October. Maybe. Maybe we, I'm getting confused we, with the we wedding. We could have the dates a little jumbled. Okay, I got you. Okay. Hmm. Christine's phone rings. It's Cody. She laughs. Doesn't answer. It doesn't know why he's calling. I think he was being a butt. He's probably like, I can't handle truly. Actually, come, <laughs> no. come pick her up. He claims that he wanted to hang out with truly, and that's why he called. But I don't buy it. In one scene that was particularly hard for me to watch, Christine said that it's hard to be divorced, but it feels so good on the other side. I'm a big fan of divorce. If you're thinking of it, go for it. Absolutely do it. You're ready, miserable. Just do it. What was your thought process when hearing this? I don't love it. Like, I am fully for, I mean, if you're done, you're done. But it, it takes so long to actually right. do it, it. And I think it's very personable and very. I think blanket statements like that are dangerous. I agree. Because every situation is completely different. Different circumstances, different lives. I just didn't. I don't like how much you're trying to sell us that you're so cool with divorce. I get it. You got divorced. That's, I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you to find love again, which you found fairly quickly. She has money and resources and a lot of support as to where many people do not. And I think it's such 
a sensitive topic that you can't just be like, oh, you're thinking of it, do it. Like you need a lot to be able to do it. And everyone's at a different spot in that process. And her kind of pressuring Janelle a little, I don't like that either. I say that, but then I'm like, Mary, what are you doing? If you were a real friend, you would tell her to leave. So where am I on this spectrum? In this scene, you can tell just a little bit where how awkward it would be essentially openly talking shit about your ex-husband when you have a sister wife in the room who is still married to this person. Okay. But something that I I wanted to talk about that I think would be, or it's going to be so interesting because at this moment, moment in time, Christine's all like divorce, divorce, divorce. Hell yeah. Life's so happy. But eventually she's going to be like, Oh, I love love marriage. (laughs) If you feel like getting married, get married, find your person. So it's going to go from Christine divorce, divorce, divorce to Christine all in on marriage. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Yeah. We'll see marriage Christine coming. I do appreciate that. Janelle said that she is not bothered by Christine. Speaking of Cody, she says she doesn't feel loyalty to Cody right now. Snap, 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 snap. I, I mean, love to is, see This is it. confirmation. I mean, Janelle's <laughs> on her way out. Yeah. She's just not ready to publicly say that. You know, something I find interesting, Robin won't talk down about Mary because that's her only ally yes. still. But even though her and Janelle don't have a good relationship, you do not see Robin talk down about Janelle. She knows not to. I found that really fascinating. Janelle had no problem telling her husband to F off. She'll have plenty more words for Robin. And she knows, even though she's real comfortable saying Christine's name right now, she knows not to cross that line with Janelle. Towards the end of the conversation, Cody says that Christine forced herself into my life. He says, I don't really care if she's leaving, but don't trash talk me to my children. So I know in polygamy, the women do kind of like asked to join families, I guess, if they feel they're like being spiritually pulled to that family. So I don't know why Cody takes that as she forced herself in. I mean, you, that's part of your religion that they ask to join. You literally married this woman. You had a choice to do that. You had six children with her. Like, what is this? I think this is just a view of a man who is really hurt by this divorce. It really hurts him. Oh, consequences of actions. It's the worst. It's wild to think that he holds himself so high that he just couldn't see certain wives leaving. I think Mary, he's been really odd about it because he's like, dude, I am just waiting for her to leave. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on there. But I think, yeah, the, the Janelle Christine dynamic, I think he just never saw them leaving. Which is so self-centered. You really thought that just all these people were going to stay with you no matter what. That you had that much control over them. And it just goes to show the amount that Cody has negative reactions towards Christine. Yes, we know he's hurt. But also that tells us you cared a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you cannot stop talking about her and now the favorite wife is also cannot stop talking about her. Yeah. The scene ends with Christine saying that she wishes that Cody sat everyone down, said that he found the love of his life, and tried to make it work with the three of them in the scenario. I think I hear that would have been great to hear that honesty. And realistically, that could have led to 
the wives ending their relationship sooner, finding, you know, finding love. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully in a way doing it like that, that kind of break would hopefully maintain relationship with the kiddos. Yeah. Now in a perfect world, that's how it would have went, but it absolutely would not, could not, has not happened with Cody. The other way of viewing that is if, if your father gathers, gathers everyone together and makes this announcement of, you know, I feel like I have found the one, I don't have enough capacity for four wives. Your kids are going to feel, and your wives, they're going to feel some type of way. And yeah, there is a big chance it's not going to be positive. Yes. In the perfect world, like I just mentioned, it would work out clean breaks, but you're going to be breaking a lot of hearts in that conversation. I don't think anyone could do that, honestly, but not definitely not Cody with how he's handled this by just being like, "Mm, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just never going to see anyone again. I mean, (laughs) that's their whole, their whole premise, the clotter rings, this unity, this, this commitment. It's like, have you been, if he mentioned, if he had this whole conversation, be like, have you just been lying to us? We've been going to Bible study and you were reading us things from the book and, Mm -hmm. uh, you're supposed to be taking care of these women, so on and so forth. Is that just a lie? I, it is now. I don't think he believes in any of it. He can't. With how he acts, he there's cannot. No, there's no way. I agree. I agree. Then we get a very juicy mid-season still to come. Very excited to see all of this. We see honest conversations with Christine and Janelle in the car. We see Mary talking about how much she loves being at the B&B, how it's her safe place. Cody goes and tours Janelle's new apartment, but he doesn't feel welcome. Shocking. He's the victim. Somehow he can't just make it work in this nice new apartment. Robin is still so confused. Janelle says that she would stay if Cody gave her what she wanted, which, spoiler, we do not see that happening. Putting his hands Together, almost in a praying fashion, Cody says, Robin and I are like this, and you will not separate us. I wonder what scene is shown for him to react that way. I know, like, what are we explaining? Like, I'm sure he's like, oh, the kids, those jerks want to separate us, and we're like this. You will not separate us. Is someone trying to turn Robin against him? Dun, dun, dun. I cannot wait to see this scene with Mary. She talks about how basically Cody finally told her to move on. We see a scene of her, Robin, and Cody, of course, outside on Coyote Pass. I think it's incredible that Robin is at this conversation. I actually love that. Do you think Robin has called her once since Mary told her that she needs to call? No. Yep, same thing. We see a scene of all three of them on Coyote Pass, and Mary says to Cody that she knows he is capable of loving her, and Cody's response is, I can't be what you want me to be. Mary, to Robin as she's absolutely sobbing, or not, scrunched up face, let's say that. It is not fair for me to be alone like I have been for years. Oh. So relieved to hear it. I cannot wait to see it live. I'm going to be losing my mind. I cannot wait. Robin, in a close-up solo shot, says this is not what I wanted. 
And then in the end, a beautiful scene of Mary saying, screw it. He's not worth it. We did not get anything about David. We have not, but he might sneak on in the last episode or something. He might sneak on. I am excited to see that we've coupled this season with Christine you know, post-divorce. We have, even though we're seeing these shots, it's, it's fascinating because we're seeing this from Mary, but in some ways I feel like Janelle's even further ahead than Mary to moving on. Yeah, I think so. But it's because the, the, the amount of time it has taken Mary to finally get the message. We've all been just every podcast, every feature, like, why are you with this? And she's like, everyone's always asking me like, why am I still here? Yes, because there's nothing. And you're finally coming to the realization that there's nothing here for you. I, I can't wait to see it play out. And I know in her statement that she put out with Cody, like, don't congratulate me on my, the end of my marriage. And I'm like, I can't help it. I'm sorry. I want you to be happy. Go find love. I will definitely congratulate this divorce. Gosh, if I could, I would send her flowers the day that episode premieres. Like Honestly, the bigger failure isn't the divorce. It's the fact that you stayed for so many years. Uh, I mean, we're talking maybe more than a decade. She should not feel like she didn't give it her all. Because we have to imagine this is before the catfish. I mean, a long like time, it was bad a before long then. time before the catfish. So it's been more than a decade mm-hmm. where I'm imagining Mary's been in a loveless marriage. Well, she it's been a decade since they've got been physical. So and I'm imagining it's been a lot longer than that before it was essentially there's no love there. Oh, yeah. Because do you remember in season one when they were like sitting at a picnic, the wives and she was like, I think about leaving all the time. <laughs> it's like, whoa, that. It's so much before the catfish. Even how strong her insecurities were at that dinner in season one. Yes. It's like, if this man loved you and showed you all the affection and you were just so rock solid, you wouldn't have these insecurities with another wife showing up. Mm -hmm. The fact that you had very strong insecurities, like something's going on here or he is not making sure that you feel loved. That's what it is. He didn't care what anyone else felt when Robin came in. It was an absolute selfish decision. Yikes. <laughs> on that happy note, <laughs> anything else on this episode? No, I am happy for the truce we got to witness. I am really excited for the rest of the season. It's going pretty decent. It's going pretty decent. We've had a little bitching moments here and there, but overall, it's flowing nicely. All right. We are starting a new season of Married at First Sight. I live tweeted it on Wednesday night. Leon was at his conference, so he hasn't watched it yet. So episodes are kind of wonky this week. We will, of course, publish this on Thursday evening. But I'm not entirely sure when maths will come out, if it will be Saturday or Sunday evening. Um, When we kind of get our bearings, it will most likely, I believe what we would do was... Sister Wives or whatever show it was on Tuesday and then Maths on Friday. So kind of keep a lookout as we publish episodes. I'll give you the actual concrete schedule. But if you're interested, come hang out with us for Married at First Sight. It is the first season where we have a runaway bride. So that was exciting. The first like minute of the show with a lot happened. (laughs) Yeah, Ellie was messaging me while I was out of town just trying to get a subscription going like 10 minutes before I it was forgot air. we canceled like what we used to watch lifetime and i was like ah what's the code and 
I think she's been holding back. I, I got that little tidbit of a runaway bride, but I I have avoided all the things. I haven't read any news. So I will most likely watch it this weekend, either Friday or Saturday, and then eventually we'll record right after that uh, and hopefully get it out to you either if you listen to us on your morning drive to work or whatever it may be, a workout, and hopefully you get to enjoy some uh, some maths breakdown. I think maths is a little bit different than Sister Wives. It's less serious. There's not as much, we don't have as much background information. Exactly. And so we just take things as they come. We are always kind of like surveying, like, how would you react in that situation? What would you think if I did that? Or, I don't know. It's a fun little, like, I love watching the show. I'm still really into it. I'm actually more interested in this season, in the first episode, than I have been in the last couple of seasons. So I think it's going to be a good season. We got a real spicy beginning with that bride just saying, no, thank you. So I'm here for it. Maybe you guys will be too. Come hang out with us. Give it a try. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate every single one of you. Once again, all the interaction, all the commentary, all the posts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you all soon. Thank you to everyone who told me it is not weird if I follow them on Instagram and Twitter. I have slowly started kind of uh, going through people and adding. So expect some of that soon. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Look out for Maths Podcast and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys.